interrogating Jesus with, trying to discredit him, trying to show that he's not capable of answering their conundrums. We had the Pharisees with the question on tribute to Caesar. We had the Sadducees with the question on the, the woman married to seven husbands and the resurrection. And now uh, we've got a lawyer that's going to uh, ask a question. So Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So what's the question the lawyer asks? So what's the greatest commandment? Yeah, tell me which one's the great commandment. Now, you, you might think about how Jesus could have answered that. What would have been some answers you think somebody might have given to what the greatest commandment would be? Fruitful, multiply, and... <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the first. Yeah, you're right. There isn't one. Keep the garden. They're all equally important. How about the ten, one of the Ten Commandments? Well, what, what, what one of the Ten Commandments would you think pe most no people would... No other gods before me. Oh, I, that might be one. No other gods before me. You know, because God's, you, you know, uniqueness has to be preserved. What others might somebody argue for? Do not murder. Do not murder, I think... I think if you ask people as a whole what command is most important, I think don't kill. Or what else might people say? The Pharisees might say tithes, or at least the Levites, because then they get money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think don't commit adultery would be a big one as well. I mean, you know, it's just a big stigma on that conceptually in the Bible and in society they're not in practice these days or don't steal I think that'd also be a big one uh, you know respecting private property and you know you might argue that you know animal sacrifice or the the Passover there's a whole lot of things and I think if you'd have done any of those somebody could have come back and said but now this one's more important than that one because of this that or the other thing well what Jesus does is what we wouldn't expect him to do like usual instead of giving us a commandment like that, what does Jesus say? Yeah. So he didn't exactly give a commandment like they would have been thinking, like a specific order about a specific subject. What he really gives when he says this is the law that undergirds all the commandments. I mean, this is the foundation principle. You love God with all your heart. And, and, and he goes ahead and gives the second one to Booch. You love your neighbors yourself. And he says, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. These are the basis for all the other commands. You know, basically everything else the law and the prophets say are an application, a specific, uh, you know, result of, of these two commandments. That's a pretty good answer, don't you think? You know, that was, that was very sharp. And we're thinking about for ourselves a little bit, do we love God with everything we have and with everything we are? You know, I don't know that we think enough about that command. You know, if you're thinking about, 
well, have I, have I done what I ought to be doing, you know, kind of, what's my checklist to make sure, okay, attend to the services check, you know, send my prayer check, you know, no alcohol check, you know, whatever. Uh, does loving God come in there anywhere? Uh, sometimes it's so, it's such a bedrock that we may even not really think about it. All right, comments or questions on that section? How was he trying to trick him with that? Well, I think he was going to have probably objected to whatever Jesus said and tried to argue that some other command was more important than the specific one Jesus would have picked out. So you do think he was, did it say he was trying to trick him? So he was testing him. Testing him. Verse 35. So, I mean, I think, you know, he was, he was going to see if Jesus really gave the right answer or a good answer. And I think... If he had given a specific command, I don't think he would get, could have given the right one because I think there's an argument against any one of those. And truly, none of those are the fundamental like this is. So in verse 40, he's kind of alluding to what he was expecting by saying on this depends the whole law and the prophets, which is probably what you were looking for. <laughs> yes, this is the principle that those specific commands are based on. This is the fundamental command. Really, all the laws are applications of this. You know, what about, you know, not having any idols? Well, that's because you're supposed to love God. What about not killing? Well, that's supposed to, because you're supposed to love your neighbor. You know, that sort of thing. That makes much more sense than, like, a, just a list of equally it does. important commandments. It does. It really is the foundation of all this. This wasn't just Jesus getting out of a trap. This is really the right way to look at this. I mean, when Jesus answers these things, he answers them in such a way that, that he really teaches some very important, powerful, you know, deep lessons in the process. You know, Jesus was the kind of guy that, no matter what the subject was, what he said was just like, wow. I, I, I don't... I think perhaps to uh, avoid uh, confusion, uh, I won't give uh, a name, but there's a preacher who's been dead for years that, that when I was younger was like that a little bit. That like, I would, I would listen to him as a young man, either in sermons or just talking, you know, and like every other sentence you wanted to write down. <laughs> he was really sharp, really thought things through, been a Christian for a long time, was, was a wise man. And it's like, man, you know, it seemed like anything that came up, what he said was like, wow, that's, that's really good. And he would say things even when he preached, and it would be like, huh, why didn't I see that? You know, like they were right there, very obvious, but yeah, I never thought about it. You know, and, and well, obviously he wasn't equal to Jesus in that, just kind of a human reminder of the kind of people that, you know, when they talk, it's like, wow, yeah, you know, that's right, you know, and, and, and how, do you, how do you, you know, uh, put somebody like this to shame, you know, what kind of question would you ask that would stump him? I think that's probably why they decided to give up while they were behind. <laughs> Um, when it says, love him with all your heart, obviously it's not the thing thumping in our chest, but it's meaning our mind, but then it also said your mind. So why, why did it say the heart and the mind? 
Well, I don't know that he's trying to make a clear-cut distinction between those three. He's saying, love him with all your emotions, with all your thoughts, with all your actions, with all your whole being. You know, any way you want to cut it, love him with it. Because I guess really, like, heart, soul, and mind would be fairly difficult. Like, I would distinguish it and, you know, say, oh, well, maybe your mind is like your intellect, and maybe, you know, your one is your emotions or whatever. And but they all kind of are your mind. Yeah, maybe there is a slight distinction in some of them, but we'd probably be hard-pressed to define it very clearly, and probably we would never agree on them. <laughs> you know, I, I think the point in some of these things is not trying to get us to figure out, well, now what's the difference between <laughs> those three? It's really trying to emphasize the fact with everything that you've got inside of you, call it what you will. Well, Jesus turns the tables and he decides to ask a question of his own. 41 to 46. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, Then how does David, in the spirit, call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put thine enemies beneath thy feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, this, this question approach does not seem to be working real well, you know, so I think they decide to uh, change tactics. Uh, they just kind of keep getting, looking worse and worse. So, uh, but Jesus' question, uh, the Messiah was supposed to be whose son? And their answer? David. David, yeah. I mean, we understood that. The promise to David, all the references to David, etc. He said, well, then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord when in Psalm 110 he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. You know, I mean, if he's David's son, how could David have called him Lord? That is a little bit of a puzzle, don't you think? Can your son be your Lord? guess my first question would be, is that unusual? For your son to be your Lord? <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, the word was used in different contexts, and Sarah calls Abraham Lord, and, you know, so that would be the first point. How, why is that unusual? Well, I think for your son to be your Lord, and they understood the idea of son of David for the Messiah not to be like the physical son, but a later descendant. And yet, while David was still alive, he was calling him Lord. So I think you've got that too. How was, how was he as Lord before he ever was born? So I think this is one of those kind of puzzle kinds of things that, you know, um, they had not really thought about. But it is kind of a problem. How would you answer? I mean, how, how was it possible for David to call him Lord if he was his son? If he was God's son. Or if he's David's son, rather. If he's David's son, how can David call him his Lord? If he was also God. Yes. I think the point of this is to show the true nature of the Messiah. That he was supposed to be God and man. 
which was the very issue they had a problem with Jesus over. They kept thinking he was blaspheming because as a mere man, he made himself out to be God. And he's showing that by the scriptures, you would understand that David's son was supposed to be David's Lord. You know, that's a part of what the scriptures teach. And so this is really answering their objection to Jesus being, you know, claiming these things. Well, he was. He was both God and man. Jesus breaks all the categories. And once he says this, they just don't have any more questions to ask him. Comments and thoughts. Nor do they find the answer to this. That's correct. Or admit it, as in some of the other cases. They may never have really thought about this one before. I don't know. I mean, once you see it, it's like, yeah. But I don't know that they would have seen this one up until now. Other thoughts? Did they actually think he was blaspheming, or did they just accuse him of that? Well, to, lack of something else to accuse him well, of? Well, yeah, I mean, they certainly weren't above trying to come up with things. But... But I think they do when Jesus claimed to be God, like claimed to be equal with God, or claimed privileges that only God had. I think they saw that as blasphemy. Here's a human being, you know, like <laughs> trying to claim for himself things that you could only say about God. So I think if, if, if any other human being did that, you know, if some human being said, well, I'm the Lord in Christ, you know, who said, I can forgive people's sins, you know, and things like that. Yeah. If they said, you know, I and my Father are one, mm -hmm. then I think we would have a problem with it, too. It would be blasphemy. Yeah. But they're not obviously totally sincere in that. No. Because he gave the credentials, and because right. even here Jesus shows that's what they should have expected from their law if they'd have really studied it. I understood it. Other comments or questions on this chapter? I like how in verse 41 he used the opportunity now while the Pharisees were gathered together. Um, even though people might be coming against us, like the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons, they come to our doors constantly and just like knocking on the doors trying to get us to study stuff. Well, that's an opportunity for us to teach them, even though they're trying to teach us in this. Mm -hmm. And I think different opportunities like that, even though it may seem like they're trying to attack us or trying to um, convert us to their thinking, that's an opportunity. They're gathered together here talking to us. Jesus here takes the opportunity to teach them, and what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. Well, starting in 23, we have a sermon of Jesus, and I'm not sure how we should see this. 26.1 is the, the 